it is to be with God's people and what a lovely group of people you are you look so good today just turn and smile at somebody and say you know what I do look pretty good in the house of the Lord 
Yeah, I do look pretty good. I know this much, when I'm in the house of the Lord, I look a whole lot better than I do when I'm not in the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to join with Brother Long in thanking you for your great giving. And um, I really do believe that we could, without a lot of effort, go ahead and make it 25000 So. Just go ahead and by faith give another 10 or 15 or 100 and let's make it happen. Amen. Let's set a mark. Not just so we can set a mark, but it's for the kingdom and for the purpose of God. Move the Mission does so many wonderful things around the world. And even in the United States, we enjoy so many benefits of what Move the Missions uh, is able to do. And uh, I am so thankful that our own Brother Landon Long is the president of the youth division of the South Texas District. There is no finer man or couple than they are, and they're doing a wonderful job. And I will have to tell you, it has not been without its issues but they have got such a great spirit and they bring such a great spirit it's hard not to like them amen i'm thankful that i have this man beside me and i'm so grateful for the last couple of weeks not being able to be here watching the services knowing that this church is in great hands and i'm grateful for that something that I have prayed for for many, many years. If you would, for a few moments, and I'll have to tell you that the worship has almost winded me, but I don't want to give up quite yet. You know, I, I, I thought to myself while I was over there, you know, you need to save your strength. And I had to ask myself, Is God more interested in my preaching than he is in my worship? Now, I don't want to get into a debate with you, but I think for him, you're not going to say anything he doesn't already know. You're not even going to say anything he hasn't been the one that gave it to you to say. But there's some things that you can say in worship That nobody else has ever said, nobody else has ever done because nobody is like you and nobody can do it like you do. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to begin reading with verse number 12. Reading from the King James Version this morning. It simply says that seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses 
which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ which veil is done away in Christ but even unto this day when Moses is read the veil is upon their heart notice the transition from the face to the heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, what a great day. When they wake up and realize that there is no veil needed. There is no veil needed. Oh yes, the veil shall be taken away. Verse number seven. Now the Lord is that spirit specific and where that spirit is, where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty ah yes but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I I just pray God will help me today for a few moments. I want to talk to you about removing the veil. Removing the veil. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Oh, what a great presence of the Lord is here today. Amen. There's just nothing like it. It is so powerfully uh, anointing that uh, there's nothing, there is no substitute for the Spirit and the presence of the Lord. None. There is no substitute. Not only that, but it cannot be duplicated. You cannot replicate what is happening in this place today. It was not produced in the back room in a meeting, minds who come together to orchestrate some little program or performance. But this is the spontaneous result of people pouring their heart and their spirit out to the Lord in love and worship. 
There is something wonderful about his presence. And there is absolutely, unequivocally, no substitute for that presence. There is a level of freedom that we experience in life. That only God can give to the soul. And the scripture identifies this, this liberty is, or, or this freedom as liberty. It is, uh, release or it is relief from the many things that can attach themselves in our life, from the loads that we carry, from the burdens of guilt that so often we pack around on our back. It is relief from the troubles that often come into our lives as we make this journey along. And it is relief from the problems that have often enslaved us in the mesh and web of their intrigue. But oh, when you find yourself in the presence of the Lord, there is a a release that comes. There is a freedom that you experience. There is a joy that begins to flood your soul. And there is a rejoicing that comes to the heart. For there is a level of freedom that you can experience in life that only comes when you are in the presence of the Lord. And oh, my friend, you can tell when you're in it and you will know when you are not. Amen. The tragedy is so many times when we are not in it, we still put up the same show and we go through the same motions. But Paul makes it clear to us in our text that it is the Spirit which brings within our reach the possibility of this freedom and this liberty. It is the Spirit of God which makes this possible, that makes this an opportunity for you and I. You you have to understand me this morning when I say that because this is not something that we can manufacture from an organization. It is not something that we can come up with from a committee. This is not something that you can somehow devise chemically and then put it in motion and see the result. What we have experienced this morning and what we so often experience in this place when we enter into that season of worship is a liberty that makes us want to do things when we're in that presence that we would normally not do in our life. We may not be a dancer in our normal life, but when we get into the presence of the Lord, there's something that gets in my feet. There's something that gets in my hands. There's something that gets in my soul. Somebody help me preach right now there's something that gets in our spirit 
that enables us to break out of that that shell, to break out of that veil that we so often hide behind. Paul makes it so clear to us that the Spirit of God is what brings that within our reach. It is the Spirit of God that makes that possible. That it is only in His presence, it is only in His presence that this liberty, this freedom, this release, this enlargement, this enablement can come from. Amen. And there is nothing like it in the world. There's no substitute for it. There is no imitation of it. It is the real thing. And what was once beyond my reach and what was beyond my ability to do when I get into the presence of God, He enables me to do that. One of the things that is so hard for us to do in life is to forgive. Yeah. Because in our flesh, there is something about forgiveness that is repulsive. Because we feel that if we do that, that we are releasing somebody from the hurt that they inflicted upon us. Or we are releasing them from something they have done to us and they've not made it right. You see, forgiveness isn't about something you do when they come and say, I'm sorry. Uh, Some of you don't even want to hear this preaching today. Forgiveness isn't just about something that you do in response to something somebody else says. True forgiveness is something that you give and offer before they ever come and ask you for forgiveness. It's something that you do not to help them, but to help yourself. And I will tell you that this guy right here, when he wakes up in the morning, doesn't want to forgive. But when you come into the presence of God, that burden that was so heavy that I didn't feel I could carry another moment, That problem that so troubled my mind that I could not work my way through it. When I step into the presence of God, there is an empowering, there is an enabling that allows me to open my hands and and say, I let it go. I don't hold on to it any longer. It's not in my possession another moment. It's yours, God. You do with it what you want to do with it, but I'm free from it. And I have the liberty to respond. And I have the freedom to rejoice. Because of what his spirit has enabled me to do. Amen. How many times have we come in to the house of the Lord. And 
we were on the bottom and we were not doing good. We were thinking bad thoughts. We were actually, uh, we, we, we were entertaining the idea of just throwing in the towel. Why live for God? This is, to, this is just a, 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 a racket. This is just a show. This is just a game. These people aren't real. All this church is is such a bunch of hypocrites. I feel that way until I come into the presence of the Lord. And then when I get into the presence of the Lord, I realize that those are not my enemies. Those are my brothers and my sisters. These are the redeemed of the Lord. This is the family of God. This is the church that God has given me to help bless my life and help strengthen me. And there's something about coming into his presence that enables me to do those things that I could not do without it. And it brings within my reach the possibilities of faith. I need a miracle in my life. But humanly speaking and humanly thinking, it is impossible. The doctor has told me all the reasons why it cannot work. The doctors have enumerated all of the reasons to why I am where I am. But there's something about coming into the presence of God that changes the mindset. It changes the thinking. The doctors have said, we've done all that we can do. And she had spent all that she had. And she was not any better. But when she came into the presence of the Lord, something inside of her started saying, if I can but touch him, if I can but touch him, if I can but touch him. What would make a man like Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, take the risk of running to Jesus And begging him, please come to my house. My child is dead or dying. That's what presence of God does. It enables us. It empowers us. It encourages us to believe for things that are humanly impossible. That's why some of you right now need to take the troubles that are in your heart and mind about some problem that you have, some impossibility, some miracle that you need in your life. And you need to realize that when you come into the presence of the Lord, there is an operative that is available to you. There is something that is an option in your life that you cannot find anywhere else in the world. Praise God. And it is His Spirit. Everybody say it's His Spirit. His Spirit that enables us to take advantage of those things. Amen. How many times have you come into the house of God? How many times have I come and I was wore out and tired and troubled and weary and I didn't really feel like doing anything. I didn't even feel like being there. Have you ever come even though you didn't feel like being there? 
But when you left, you were saying, my, I am so glad I went to the house of the Lord today. Why? Because when you step into his presence, it gives you an advantage in your life that you did not have otherwise. That's why the world looks at you and you're an anomaly. They can't understand you. How can you be so happy? How can you be so joyous in such a troubled time as this? I'll tell you how. When you spend some time in the presence of God, you realize that He is the one that is still in control. Hallelujah. And so it is His Spirit that enables us to take advantage of the blessings of God, which are His mercy. Woo! His mercy, His grace, His love, His forgiveness, His tenderness and kindness, His long-suffering. When we are in the presence of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is enlargement. There, there's room that's made available for my life. The operation of the Spirit is designed to do that in our life, to free us. The moving of the Spirit is designed to release us from those things that trouble and harass our life. The burdens, the load of trash that piles up that we carry around with us in life and all of the other things, the fears and the doubts and the worries and the troubles that so vex our soul. It is His Spirit that frees us from those things. Amen. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall free me from this burden? I thank my God. Oh, yes. I thank my God that there is a remedy. Amen. That's what Paul declared. And it is the Spirit of God that enables that. But I need you to understand carefully with me that Paul was very specific about this freedom and liberty and where it is found. The freedom and liberty that he is talking about is where the spirit of the Lord is. And I asked my brother this morning, I said, would I do injustice to scripture if I reworded that and said where the spirit is Lord? And he said, no, because that is the meaning of that statement. Where the spirit of the Lord is is where the Spirit is Lord. The word Lord means decider, determiner. The one who makes the decisions. When I make the Lord, the Lord of my life, when I make Him the Lord over my circumstances, then He becomes the decider. He becomes the determiner of my end, not myself. And so when the Spirit of the Lord is Lord in my life, there is liberty. But He's more specific than that. 
The word is is not translated in the Greek, but if you go back to the original text and you read it, it literally says, where the Spirit of the Lord is present. Paul made this statement because he wanted to differentiate between somebody just understanding that God exists and God is here. You see, you can believe that God exists and God not be present in your life. But when God is present in your life, there is a liberty and there is a freedom and there is a room that God gives me for growth and expansion in my life that nothing, nothing else. When the Spirit is present, everybody say present. Present. That's why... Sometimes we go through services feeling our way along because we hadn't quite got it. We don't quite have the tune yet. We prayed, but we hadn't quite found the channel yet. But when we find that channel, you can tell, you can sense the shift that takes place in a service. Because we've gone from just knowing that God exists to knowing that God is here. You know, I got something to ask you. If you just know God exists, does that really impress you? But if you know God is here, how does that change the way you feel? God exists, that, that's great, but that doesn't mean anything for me personally. God exists, but he's somewhere else. But when God's present, that means he's right here, right where I am, right beside me, right in me, all around me. He, he, he's not somebody that I have to shout to, but he's right before me. He's there with me. He's encouraging me. He's enabling me. He's strengthening me. He's touching me. He's helping me. He's healing me right now. Because he is present. Woo! That's when the chains start falling off. That's when the feathers are broken. That's when the yoke comes off. Oh my goodness. The way that glory comes into our lives is when we learn how to live and walk in His presence. Amen. Praise God. And the way to keep that glory in your life is to keep looking to Him. Keep looking to Him. Now, Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, references something that took place years before, all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 34, when Moses had gone to the mountain for the second time. The first time he went, you remember, 
God wrote on the tablets of stone his commandments, his laws that he gave them to Moses. And Moses comes down out of the mountain to hear a rabble and a noise. And he sees all of God's people naked before this golden calf dancing and carrying on. And in his anger, he breaks those tablets of stone and he rebukes Israel for what they have done. And God brought great judgment upon them that day. God said, I have news for you, Moses. You may have broken those tablets, but you're still going to have to have them in your life. So let's go back to the mountain. And so he takes him back. This time, it's a little different. But God writes those things upon the stone. Some, let me just kind of split a hair. The first time scripture indicates that God wrote those laws with his own finger, but it indicates the second time it's very likely that Moses was required to chisel those things out because God wanted him to know these are some things that are going to change the life of my people. That's just a side note anyway. And so Moses is up there for a long time, 40 days, fasting in the presence of the Lord. I don't even know if we could handle being in a service like this for 40 days straight. But when he went up into that mountain, into that cloud, he was in the presence of God for 40 days. Goodness, how it must have been. And when he came down, something had happened to Moses. The Bible said that the radiance of his face was so bright that it scared the people of Israel and they were afraid of him. And he spoke to them the commandments that God had given them in the beginning. And then the Bible says that he put a veil upon his face. Now, the scripture, if you read it, said he put a veil on. But if you go back in the original, the indication is the veil did not go to his face until after he had spoken the law. Now, the question is, and I had to make sure, but I, so I called the expert, my brother, That there's nowhere in scripture that you can find that God commanded Moses to put a veil over his face. So why? Why did Moses put a veil over his face? Well, the obvious thing seems to be that he did it to protect Israel. Because the radiance was so bright, he didn't want to scare them. So after he spoke to them, he would put that over, the, over his face so he could hide the glory. But if you read the scripture carefully, you find out that's not really the case. And Paul explains it in our text very clearly. That the reason that Moses put a veil over his face was because he didn't want Israel to see the fading of that glory from his presence the longer he stayed out of the presence of the Lord. 
He did not want Israel to realize that every day that he stayed away from the presence of God, that presence would fade a little more every day and the radiance would not be as bright. But when he would go back into the presence of the Lord, that radiance would return. And so he puts a veil. And and Paul picked this idea up In the New Testament, he said, that's the trouble of our times. People are still hiding behind the veil. Not to cover the glory, but to hide the absence of the glory. They're not trying to cover God's blessing and work in their life. They're trying to cover up the absence of God's blessing and working in their life. And Paul said, it's time for us to take the veil off. It's time for us to remove that. We don't have to hide behind that veil any longer because I can come in to the presence of the Lord any time that I desire. I can come in to his presence any time that I desire. And it is that presence and it is being in that presence and looking into that glory that changes me. Read it. It's what changes me from glory to glory. The reason sometimes there are no changes in my life is because I stay away too long. That's the reason carnality slips in so easily. And I slip back into my old ways of living and my old way of life and my old man resurfaces and shows himself and we wonder why, why did that happen? It didn't happen just because I didn't come to church. Here's the problem. Some people come to church, but they don't come into his presence. I got news for you. Just because you're sitting on that pew right now does not mean you are in the presence of the Lord. Not in the sense of what Paul was talking about. You have to consciously say, God, I want to step into where you are right now. I want you to be present in my life. Because when he becomes present in my life, chains begin to fall off. Fetters are broken. Fears are done away with. Doubts are removed when I come into the presence of the Lord. What kind of veil do we hide behind? Not to cover the glory but to cover the absence of the glory. How many times I would say this of the New Testament church, they lived uncovered. I'm not sure I can say that of this New Age church. So many churches hide behind the veil of a polished program And making sure that everything is done by the clock. 
so we can get our moment on the internet and we can get our likes and people thumbing us. You know, they're, they're giving us the, 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 the thumb up that we're doing good. We, we gotta make sure that everything is choreographed because we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable in the presence of the Lord. I got news for you. If that's what you're looking for, you have come to the wrong church. I'm not interested in a choreographed service. I'm not interested in a polished program. What I am interested in is the presence of the Lord being in this place and us sensing that he is present he is present he is here right now he is here hallelujah oh hallelujah hallelujah there's something about the presence of the Lord that keeps the glory on our face. I've been pastoring for 30 years almost. I've been preaching. I've had license for 49 years this coming June. I don't seem, I got my license when I was four years old, so. (laughs) I've learned a little bit about people. And I can tell by the look on people's faces when they come into the house of God that it's been a while since they have really been in the presence of a present Lord. I'm talking about not just a knowledge of Him, not just an understanding that He exists, but being in the presence of The Lord, He is present in their life. You can tell it on your face. You can tell it because there is a glory when we look into His face. When we bask in His presence, there is an exchange that takes place. And this ugly old mug of mine takes on a beauty and a glow and an aura about it that I cannot find at the beauty shop. I can't find it at a makeup counter. There's no blush or mascara that can put that kind of thing on my face. There's no lipstick that can be red enough. There's nothing like this in all of the world that can put on my face the radiance of of joy and beauty like being in the presence of the Lord. Come on, let's stand together. That's why we need it. That's why we cherish it here in this place. That's why we need to spend time often because the glory does fade. The glory does fade. It does sometimes fade. And we come, we hide that. We don't like people to know we're not doing so well. So we hide it behind this veil of pretense. And we patty cake for Jesus, but our heart's not in it. 
We patted cake for Jesus and we put that fake plastic smile on. We shake hands. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And all that is is a veil to hide the absence of something. I want to ask you a question. Wouldn't you rather have the substance than a veil that just reminds you of its absence? Wouldn't you rather have its present? You can. It's here right now. That joy unspeakable and full of glory. That peace that passeth all understanding. That joy that is my strength. Oh yes, that love that never fails. That forgiveness that is so genuine and real that it releases me into an an arena of growth. See, this is the beauty about God's liberty. The word from the original text indicates an enlargement of my life. That when I step into his presence... There comes the possibility of an enlargement of my life. That my life that may have been restricted and refined by all of these things. God said, I'm going to move those boundaries. I, I'm, you, 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 you need more room for life and living than that. that. You're too cramped in your quarters right now. Woo. I, let, me, let me just tell you something about him. He said this about his, our future. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. That translation from the original is a whole lot more powerful than in our common everyday vernacular. There are mansions of mansions. Mansions of mansions. Why? Because everything God does, does is bigger than life. If you don't believe it, just go stand outside one of these nights when it's clear and there's no clouds and there's no rain and look up and see just how expansive God's creative work is. Just look at that tree in your backyard that it, that goes through every kind of weather change that comes. It can endure every hurricane. It can endure freeze. And yet it's still producing fruit. It's still giving you flowers. It's still coming back every year. It's resilient. Why? Because God put something in it to come back. And I'm telling you, God put something in you and I as his creation that allows us to come back. That when we have had the life knocked out of us, he said, I know how to breathe life back into you and give you new hope. Come on, somebody. Let's exchange our veil for his presence today. Would you do that? Come on, let's exchange that veil. Let's take that veil. Let's quit hiding behind what's not there. And let's step into that opportunity that will make it possible. Darkness starts to tremble. <laughs> oh, yes. That you Come on. You walk into the room. Yes. 